0: Mind Body Spirit Festival in Sydney, where he has been ministering. And um, you may or may not know this, but we help support that. We help finance that whole deal that they do in the Mind Body Spirit Festival in Sydney. And um, I think we're going to hear a few stories because you've seen some pretty epic stuff happen over this weekend, which is which is way, way cool. Um, At the end, we are going to take up a love offering to bless Phil um we're going to find a way to do that without interrupting god and what he wants to do in any way so we don't quite know how that's going to happen so that's separate to your normal giving and it's it's above and beyond it's a free will thing you don't have to um but we just when people come and bless us we'd love to sow back into them and bless them as well so um you can do that online as well as in person so we'll do that a little bit later But until then, also Phil and Ria are part of our external board. So not only do we have an internal board, but we've also got some external apostolic people that we connect with so that (laughs) accountability is really to make sure we stay accountable to being great, not to not be stupid. But in the odd event that we are stupid, we have people in our world that can come and slap us relatively hard. And Phil is one of those. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a bit tough there. I want you to stand up and give Phil a huge welcome as a father in this nation and as a father in this house.
1: Can I borrow your power? Uh, hoping this uh, thing is working. Yeah, it's good. Tilt, oh, you betcha. You betcha. Or my apostolic ministry will be ruined. Okay. That's a dad joke. There we go. All righty, Thank you so much. Low on power. Um, that's in the natural. <laughs> um, because I actually did have a really amazing time down at um, the MBS Festival in Sydney. Pretty phenomenal actually. So I want to share some of that with you. Um, having just come out off the back of the uh, um, the festival in in Darling Harbour. We're back in Darling Harbour, which is great. Some of you may know they've um, pulled down the old uh, convention centre there and rebuilt it, and so now we're back in the new one, which is wonderful. It's a really nice facility. Uh, I'm a seminar speaker in a New Age festival. Don't freak out. (laughs) Um, I've been going into the festivals for about... Actually, it's not about. It's 12 years. This is our 12th year, so... Um, We've seen amazing things over that time. We've seen anywhere upwards of around 15,000 miracles. And they just keep on flowing. And I've discovered that Jesus loves to show off in public places. And uh, he actually doesn't hold back from revealing his glory. And the key verse I've been meditating on all weekend is, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. And what I'd like to do in the seminars is, uh, I do a seminar, or I did two in this fe- festival, one on Friday, one on Saturday, on um, quantum physics and the supernatural realm. And uh, so I, I can't talk about it without doing a demonstration. So at the end of all, all my seminars, we do a demonstration. And uh, consistently, the Lord has been just showing up in those, in those seminars, and uh, we are doing like public miracles. And that's a whole different gig, public miracles, I mean... <laughs> A lot of times miracles that happen uh, would happen discreetly in a, a meeting like this where someone gets healed uh, or uh, discreetly even on the, on the streets perhaps where someone gets prayed for, but it's not done in a public demonstration. And I think uh, the Lord has stretched my faith big time into this place of stepping out on the water uh, to uh, do, do public miracles. And I'll tell you, in, in terms of my own internal world, the anxiety levels go goes up, you know, every time. It's like I've seen the Lord so many times be faithful and I really shouldn't be so daft as to think he's not going to turn up. But that thought's there in the back of my mind, what if he doesn't, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, every time I go to do this thing, you know, I kind of get the, the jitters a little bit. And, uh, but the Lord is just epically faithful. And so the, the anxiety level is going down over time, <laughs> <laughs> slowly. And I'm getting better at it. I'm get, and actually, this time, I, I gave the seminar presentation, which is actually an audio-visual thing. Not audio. I'm the audio. Um, visual on the screen. I've got some slides. And I just sort of segued into the, the, the demonstration really seamlessly. And next thing you know, um, we've got some women who've come out the front because they've got the afflictions in their body that we called out. Uh, one of them was a lower back condition. And uh, this woman that came out in the second seminar that I did, she had a um, uh, herniated disc, two herniated discs in her lower back, and she was in epic pain, like really, really severe pain. And I said, how long have you had this? And she said, over 10 years. I said, have you had much relief from pain? She said, no, I live with extreme pain. And nothing the doctors have been able to do so far have been able to alleviate that pain. Guess what happened? In front of a crowd as big as this, um, a tad bigger perhaps um, she was instantly healed right in front of everybody and, uh, and literally she was able to do this get her knee right up come both on. knees right up she said there is no way I could have done that she was bending there was no I said, is there any pain there at all she's like no and then there's these other ladies all lined up there waiting to come and get prayer as well and um, so the next one came in she got instantly healed the next one instantly healed and I tell you, the glory came into the room. And uh, we're talking here about 50 pre-Christians or so, about 50. And uh, the, the glory of the Lord just came into the room. And, and what the Lord showed me is that when, when there's a public demonstration like that, because I say we are going to now demonstrate the supernatural. And so when there's a public demonstration like that, it's as good as that miracle taking place in every person's life. Because they're there, they're participating. They're in an enclosed space like this they're in a room, the glory comes in, the atmosphere shifts. And I even said, did you feel the atmosphere shift in the room? It's almost like, whoa, expectation and hope just jumps up. And and next thing you know, because at one point I said, anyone want to come out and be our guinea pig today? And there was no one coming out. And I said, right about now, there should be a rush (laughs) because what's about to happen? And then of course, once these women all got healed one after another, there was a rush and then there was a big line up and everyone just like, you know, running forward to try and jump in. So it was tremendously exciting. Um, I got to lead an Indian woman to the Lord from New Delhi and uh, this is a good story. Uh, Two years ago, May uh, 2015, she came into the festival. Her father had just passed away in New Delhi and she wanted to fly back in time to see him before he passed. And uh, she got there right after he'd passed away, like literally, I think, hours after he passed away. And she was really grief-stricken because she she had a really deep connection with her father. He must have been a really kind man. And, And she was really connected to him. And she was just really, really grieving his loss. And I had a word of knowledge about his name, Kumar. And it wasn't quite exact. It was like slightly different. I can't remember how different it was, but a tiny little bit different. She said, She was just flabbergasted. She was like, how do you know that? I said, well, that was God revealing himself to you, that he knows you and he knows your pain and he knows what you're going through and he told me your father's name. So anyway, she was really impacted two years ago. And so she came back and she said, I've been looking for you guys. I've come to the festival today to find you. And she saw me and I was like waving to her while I was ministering to somebody else in the booth because we do the booth as well as the, the seminars. And so I'm waving at her, because I recognise her. I was like, I recognise you. And she's like, yes. And uh, so anyway, she waited in, in the, uh, the chairs, waiting out the front. And she finally got to come in. And I said, Sheila? And she's like, no, no, it's like sh- Shukar, or something like that, Shukar. And I was, I was close with that. And I, but I thought I was doing pretty well to even get the spit sh- at the front. And uh, so anyway, she came in, and, and she said, I saw you two years ago. I said, yes. Your father had just passed away. And uh, I actually remembered her, which I thought was pretty amazing because a lot of things happen and it's hard to remember all the things that happen unless you take notes. And it all becomes a bit of a blur after a while. But um, I said, your father passed away two years ago and I had his name. She said, that's right. She said, I've never forgotten that. And she said, what I experienced two years ago, how can I experience that again? And Because we did a spiritual blessing on her and she just got really, really blessed. And I said, well, you can have that all the time with Jesus. And I said, would you like to receive Jesus? Said, oh yes, please. And so she just, has anybody seen the YouTube clip of the fish jumping into the boat? Yeah. Anybody, yeah. you've seen that? Yeah. Yeah. This guy, it's like in uh, Mexico or something, he's got a torch, a really bright torchlight and he's shining it into the water in this boat and suddenly fish start jumping. And next thing you know, fish start jumping into the boat and then he keeps shining the light. Next thing you know, hundreds of fish start jumping into his boat and him and his friend are just overwhelmed by all these fish jumping into the boat. And somebody showed it to me and said, that's so prophetic because that's what is going to happen. There's going to be people who start seeing the glory of the Lord in public places and they're going to start jumping into the boat. That's what this woman did. She actually came to us and jumped into the boat. She said, well, what, almost like, what must I do to be saved? And we're like, well, all you need to do is pray this prayer. Are you ready? And I was like, I led her in a prayer and she just, and gave, she gave her heart to the Lord. Then my friend who was with me in the booth noticed, which I really should have noticed, but I was so absorbed in the excitement of this woman coming back two years later that she actually had um, carpal tunnel syndrome and that Velcro bandage that people put around their wrist to sort of restrict movement of your wrist, trying to give it some rest. And this guy Andy said, hey, I've noticed the whole time we've been praying for you that you're wearing this Velcro thing. She said, oh, my wrist is killing me. I said, is that carpal tunnel syndrome? She said, yes, which I think is the same as RSI. I'm not sure. Is that the same as repetitive strain injury? Similar? Um, anyway, that's what she had. And, and she was in a lot of pain. Prayed for her. Pain just disappeared. Completely disappeared. So good. She was like, she not only got, received the Lord, she also received healing. And then another woman named, named Joanne came into our booth. Her mother died and, um, and she never gave time to grieving because she had to look after her father who had dementia and so she just became full-time carer for her father, carrying all this grief from the loss of her mother and never getting to process that grief. And she said, I am so full of pain in my body. It's like the, the grief, the trauma, the pain is transferred to my body and it's all across my shoulders and up and down my neck. And she said, I'm just in pain all the time. And so, um, and she also had feet problems as well. And I forgot about the feet, but we prayed for her neck and shoulder got um, the girl Brittany who was with me to put her hands on both of her shoulders from behind we just prayed healing blessing over her she got completely healed she was quite amazed she's like that's incredible plus she got a, she got had big we went through a lot of tissues with her and uh, she was crying a lot just letting a big plug of grief out and uh, it, it was beautiful what God did he just did this beautiful work on her and I said well what about your feet we should I just I said give them a wiggle give you and she wiggled her feet she's like Good grief, that's incredible. There's no pain at all. Pain's gone out of my feet. And, uh, and then this Indian, a Sri Lankan guy came in and he was a little short guy and uh, he would have been probably about 60 years old and you could tell he's had a really hard life and he really struggled walking in. He was really stiff and he couldn't walk properly and he said, my legs are in agony. Like They are just from, from the hips down. Both legs are just in extreme pain. And I've been to the doctors, and they can't quite figure out what it is. It, um, he also seemed a little tormented as well. <clears throat> and uh, so we, we went up uh, soaking his legs in prayer. We would put our hands on his knees and soaked him in, in healing prayer for about 10 minutes. And each time, about three minutes in, I said, now just get up and walk around, test that out. Each time, the, the pain level reduced. And then the final time, he got up and he walked around, and he came back, and this big smile on his face, and he's like, the "Pain's gone. It's completely gone out of my legs." And he, he actually walked out. He wasn't didn't look like he was struggling in his walk. Uh, he was just walking normally. And uh, and so you know, multiply that by you know dozens and dozens of other great stories that came out over the last. Well, it's still going right now. In fact, it's 10 past five and there's another hour and 50 minutes to go. So, Father, we just decree in Jesus' name, which way is the city? Uh, That way. All right. Father, we just bless the team over there at at the MBS Festival. We pray you'd save the best wine till last. Boom. Lord, just hit them with glory right now, Father. I pray for glory in the booth. I pray that every person who steps across that threshold into that booth, Lord, would just walk into the atmosphere of your glory and your glory would just wrap around them, Father, and you would just fall on them. And touch every person, Lord. Let every person be touched. We pray for salvation. Lord, we pray for more healing. We pray for an explosion of healing, words of knowledge. Father, just pour it out, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you, I-61, for the financial support that you guys as a community pour into that twice a year. Two festivals we do. Uh, And if you're interested in getting on team, we are really in need of a few new people to join our team. We have a bit of a training track that we take people through. I think it's a four four CD set or four MP3s that people listen to. That's the training, the teaching training. Then there's a manual that we get people to do the manual. So we take people into the team, into the festival who are trained up. So they're all on page with the model that we use. Because you've got to go into the New Age Festival a little bit covertly. You can't just go in there with the banner and the t-shirt and the triumphalist approach. You know, we've arrived. It's it's not the red carpet for us because we're the bad guys in their worldview, because their worldview is oneness, brotherhood, acceptance, tolerance. um, All paths lead to God. Don't say yours is the only path to God, ours isn't. You know, that's if you're saying yours is the only way to God, that's implicitly saying everyone else's isn't. And that creates intolerance. It creates separateness. And that's anathema to them. Separation is, you know, they're like, no, no, we are all one. And your ideology, your the- theology says, no, there's the sheep, the goats, the saved, the unsaved, heaven, hell, darkness, light. They're like, no, 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 we're all one kind of thing. And, and so, um, you know, Christianity kind of reigns on their parade because they're, they're really all about this oneness thing. And so they don't embrace traditional christianity they think it's they think we're the bad guys and so you've got to find a way to go in under the radar in a way that um, they uh they can receive so god's given us a language and he's given us a a way of going in it's a little covert uh we just don't tell them everything and uh we just just spoon feed them a little bit of of an encounter with the lord And we really do trust for the Lord to do the work more than us going in there to talk. It's not so much we're going in there to try and convert people through conversation or through a preach or anything like that. But what we do is show them the quick on-ramp to encounter. And we want to get them into that encounter zone as quick as we can, either through a dream interpretation or through a spiritual blessing or through... Uh, what we call supernatural encounter, or through physical healing. So there's four things that we offer. There's a menu on the, on the board, on the wall. Um, we have a little modality card that describes the four different modalities of what we offer. We get them to look through the menu, take, up, take their pick, and then we immediately try and get them into encounter rather than the big conversation. Because otherwise you'll be there talking, and once you get people talking, it's hard to sort of hit the off button because they just want to talk. So if they get someone they, want to, they can talk to, they'll, they'll spend the whole time talking. We're like, no, we want to get you to one of these four things where you can experience God. And in a postmodern culture, what people experience to be true and real is true and real to them because they've experienced it to be true and real. Yeah. Not because someone's told them it's true and real. So they're not really interested in secondhand reports on what is true and real. They want to experience it for themselves. And we're living in a radical postmodern culture where people... Just think, you know, there's no, no absolutes, you know? The truth is just subjective. You, I've found my truth, you've found your truth. My truth's true for me, your truth's true for you. But it's just your subjective interpretation of what's true for you. So don't try and tell me your truth should become my truth. Who's encountered that before when you're talking to people? Well, that's just your truth. Yeah. That means what they're saying is there's no absolute truth. There's just... Um, your interpretation of what you think is absolute truth. And so our job is to get them into an encounter with he who is the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth, right? So we want to get them into an encounter with Jesus because then you've got an experience and the experience is an absolute attention grabber. It grabs people's attention and people are like, okay, these guys are connected. Yeah, so anyway, that's what, what we try and do. We just try and demonstrate the power of God in that environment. So if you're interested in being involved in future festivals, we would love people to jump on board and, and join the team. Uh, we, we give a guarantee that you will see the glory of God in that environment. It's just the Lord just shows up. And there's almost a certainty uh, of amazing things happening in people's lives. Um, one sad story that, uh, that we saw some breakthrough in, but we didn't see total breakthrough, was this dear 28-year-old girl uh, with cerebral palsy, but she didn't just have the physical cerebral palsy condition. She had a lot of other debilitating diseases in her body, and she was just very depressed. And uh, And she came in with her carer, and she had extreme pain in the middle of her back, and another extreme pain in her throat. And she was telling us about these extreme pains in her body. And uh, she also had said she had cerebral palsy, and she was actually a very intelligent girl. She was... Very communicative and chatty, but she just had no hope and she was just full of despair. She said her parents went through divorce back in 2009 and uh, they were fighting. They were Christians, but they were arguing and fighting and there was domestic violence and then they split up and her parents were Christians, but they were fighting with each other and she stopped going to church in 2009. And we, we prayed for her and ministered to her and you could just feel the fire of God came on this girl. Her, the pain in her back completely disappeared. And the pain in her throat completely disappeared. And she lifted her head up. She looked at us and she said, God is real. And it was just so beautiful because her heart was being healed by that experience. And she was being restored to the Lord as well because she's like, God is real. Jesus. And we're like, yep. And uh, so she was just blown away. She didn't get healed of the cerebral palsy. Life is full of mysteries. I can't answer what happened there. Why did she get the back healing and the throat thing but she walked out with the cerebral palsy? I don't have any answers to that. And uh, these are the mysteries that we, you know, this side of heaven, we don't necessarily understand. But God touched her in a powerful way and it really reached her. And she had a fresh revelation of Jesus, which I just thought was absolutely wonderful. Well, I do want to bring you a little bit of um, um, some training today just around this whole theme of, of, of... uh, who we are as the releasers of heaven on earth. Um, because we, you know, we want to get everybody activated and involved in stepping into what we call kingdom ministry, which is releasing the kingdom of God on earth. And the kingdom of God, the Greek word kingdom is basileia. It just means realm. So when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's just saying, your world come, your realm." God, Father, your realm come. May your world come down into our world. That's all he's saying. But on earth as it is in heaven. And so you've got this heaven and earth dynamic. God is in heaven. We are on earth. But God wants his world to come down into our world. And he has appointed his sons and daughters, the church of Jesus, as a royal priesthood. Now, I want to unpack this theme of royal priesthood because uh, a lot of times we hear that term, but we don't necessarily understand the significance of what it means to be individual priests in a corporate priesthood. When we think priest, we often think the the white robes and the the garments and and, the more sort of formal um, priestly vocation of someone who's called to the priesthood. That's what we often think when we hear the language of priest. And I think um, some of us might sort of pull away from that a little bit and kind of think, well, priest, that's kind of a little bit not my, not my thing, really, um, especially in the stream that we're a part of. We're not really into the sort of, you know, the bells, the whistles and the, and the, and the frocks and the whole bit. And so that's kind of what people think when they think priest. So I must admit that's what I kind of think of when I think priest, someone who's called to the priesthood. In the Catholic Church, or Eastern Orthodox, or Church of England, or something, they have got the whole priest thing going on—priest and people. It's almost like there's a separation between the priests and the people. But in this instance, we are the priesthood. And so, in the Old Testament, First um, Peter, oh sorry, uh, Exodus 19, the Lord said, "You'll be um, kings and priests and a holy nation." Or kings and priests also means a royal priesthood. So that's Exodus. 19 and then Peter picks up on that. He says, You're a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. 1 Peter 2.9. So he's picking up, Peter's picking up on Exodus 19 saying, now you are the royal priesthood. So God called Israel, the nation, to be, be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. They kind of failed, in, in that mandate because it was a pretty big mandate and they didn't really live up to it. And we know most of the story of the Old Testament. It was a story of idolatry, um, apostasy, failure largely with a few glorious moments of recovery and the high points, you know, the, the, the golden years of Solomon's temple and so on. But, but by and large, it was a story of failure, exile and so on. They didn't really fulfil that mandate to be the royal priesthood then that gets transferred to us as the New Testament people of God, a continuum of the Old Testament people of God, into a new covenant, but we are now that royal priesthood. Peter says, you are that chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Um, The New Living Translation says, you are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, His own very own possession. And so the priestly vocation, in, in a nutshell is to stand in this place on the earth in a mediatorial posture between heaven and earth. So a priest stands in that place as a mediator between two worlds, heaven and earth. And the priestly ministry is ministry to God that leads into ministry to people, And so the nature of a priest is a priest represents the needs of earth to God in heaven and the desires of heaven to the people on earth. And so the priest stands in a mediatorial role between two worlds. And we have a ministry to God and we have a ministry to the people. And so we, the ministry to God is the secret place. And the ministry to the people is the marketplace. And so our job is to go into the secret place, to engage with God, to minister to the Lord, as we did in worship. That's what we were doing as Mike was leading us in worship. We were engaged in a priestly function because we were stepping first and foremost as the people of God coming together, stepping into that priestly role of ministry to the Lord in the secret place. And then... Out of that, our hearts are stirred. Our hearts are freshly awakened. God hits the refresh button in our heart. Something happens. We connect with God. There's a sense of engagement. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, there's a sense of engagement with God. And we get impacted by engaging with the God of glory. Something happens inside of us. The revelation of the glory of Christ to us becomes the revelation of the glory of Christ in us which leads to the revelation of the glory of Christ through us. Christ reveals himself to us to reveal himself in us to ultimately reveal himself through us. Christ to us, Christ in us, Christ through us. And the role of the priest is to come into the temple. Old Testament priesthood, right? The priest would come into the temple, behold the glory, minister to the Lord, and then engage in priestly functions as representatives of God. Now, Jesus is called our great high priest. Um, you'd be familiar with, I think it's in Hebrews, um, it says that, um, that he is our great high priest. I'll see if I can find the reference to that. Uh, it's, um, here we are. Uh, Christ has now become the high priest, over all the good things that have come. Hebrews 9.11. Um, the Passion Translation says, Now the Anointed One, Jesus, has become the King-Priest of every wonderful thing that has come. So Jesus steps into this <clears throat> priestly role and really Jesus became the ultimate priest. We call Him the Great High Priest of our faith, Jesus Christ. So think of Jesus standing on the earth representing the Father to the people, but representing the needs of the people in intercession to the Father. And so the role of a priest is to stand in a place of intercession where we are saying, Lord, these are the needs in my life. These are the needs in the the lives of the people around me, the, the life of this fellowship. These are the needs. And intercession is to bring those needs to God in intercession. And the priest represents the people. We step into a representative role, representing the people for those who have no voice or for those who don't know how to pray. And we stand in the gap for those people in intercession, but also we stand in that place of worship, of bringing a sacrifice of praise and worship to God. It's ministering to the Lord, but then through that engagement with heaven, He fills us up with what He wants to impart to people. And so we actually have in, in fact, any kind of ministry that we do is really priestly ministry. And so Jesus comes, he's the great high priest. He becomes the, the focal point of this entire message of priesthood. So you had the high priest of Israel, you had the Levitical priesthood, which was a whole uh, one tribe, the tribe of Levi was dedicated to priestly functions. They didn't; They couldn't grow crops, they couldn't uh, build an income for themselves. They were dependent on the other 11 tribes to support them. That's a picture of the church becoming a priesthood, a, a collective. But then you had the high priest and he went into the Holy of Holies and, and, and uh, on the Day of Atonement, one day a year to present atonement. So you've got all this imagery from the Old Testament. It's all pointing towards the New Testament when God finally gets what he really wants, which is a company of people who are in Christ. Now, to be in Christ means that we are in the great high priest. And that we become priestly as our identity because we are in Christ Jesus, our great high priest. So there's one mediator between God and man. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the mediator between God and man, between heaven and earth. But we step into that priestly function because we are in Jesus, the great high priest. Now, we're not mediators between... God and man in that ultimate sense. There's one mediator. His name is Jesus. But the whole body of Christ or the embodiment of Christ on earth, which I think is a better way of putting it, that embodiment of Christ on earth has this priestly function. And if we step into that, we are stepping into this realm of radical kingdom ministry where we're engaging with the kingdom of God and bringing that kingdom realm to earth through our intercession, Through our worship, why? Because when we worship, the glory comes and we pull the atmosphere of heaven down onto earth when the glory comes. And so the priests are meant to be engaging with the glory realm of heaven. That's our calling. That's our vocation. So the priestly vocation is being restored to the church and it's got everything to do with the glory. The priest would go, the, the high priest would go into the glory of the Holy of Holies. You know, they used to tie a rope to his leg. Yeah. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, they'd tie the rope to his leg in case he croaks it in there because the glory roasts his circuits. And he, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people touched the ark sometimes and they dropped dead. You know, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a holy thing. You know, it's God's localized presence on the earth where his Shekinah glory dwelt. And so they tied the rope to his leg. They drag him out if he died. No, I don't know if there was ever any story of the guy dying. But anyway, they did that as a precaution because they knew they couldn't go in there. Only the high priest could go in there and they might have to drag him out. And so all of these things, they all point towards you and I as the people of God in the new covenant who stand in this high priestly role between two worlds where we literally are suspended, if you like, between two worlds. Our feet are on the earth, but our hands are raised into heaven. And that's the priestly posture right there, where we're looking to God, we're engaging with His glory, we're receiving an impartation of the radiation of His glory into our hearts. He's radiating our soul with His glory. He's awakening the stronghold of His glory that is in our spirit, because Christ is in you. And something happens when we engage with God. It's not meant to be just singing a bunch of songs. You know, it's it's meant to be this powerful transaction with heaven where we as a royal priesthood step into that place and we engage with the glory realm of heaven. And then, of course, you know, when Moses engaged with the glory, he came out of that encounter and he was glowing with glory. And the idea is that we get lit up by the glory. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces shine with glory. And so the role of the priest is to go in to encounter the glory and then to bring it out from the secret place to the marketplace. That's the flow. That's the way it flows. And if we're not going into that secret place encounter, we don't have a thing to give away in the marketplace. But I'm learning more and more about this because the Lord has, has used me to, to raise up this ministry into the New Age festivals of Australia. And there's not many people doing it, unfortunately, because, you know, I'm learning a lot of lessons. I want to come back to what the lessons are, but I'll just quickly say this. Who likes fishing in a river where no one ever catches fish? Boring, you know? Who likes to go fishing in a place where the fish are biting? You want to go because you hear, oh, the fish are biting in that place. You know, there's a lot of people catching fish. They're bringing you know, 15, 20 kilos of really good fish home every time they go out fishing. You're like, oh, I want to go to that place. I actually do love fishing, but I just don't get to do it. Um, I dream of it. I still dream of going fishing. But um, I've got a lot of good rods in the. Actually, my rods in the garage are all covered in spiderwebs. And someone, I had to pull out a broken heater out of there the other day to see if I can get it fixed for winter. And I rolled the roller door up and the, and the, and the rods were covered in spiderwebs and, and the guy made a joke and he said, well, we can see you're a regular fisherman. <laughs> They've not been touched for like 10 years. They're just sitting in one place. I do love fishing and I do love catching fish. And, you know, where are the fish biting amongst the new age? Where do the spiritual people go in our culture? to new age events, to the the new age, because there you can be as spiritual as you like with no moral accountability. So what they've done is they've taken all the great things out of Christianity, marketed that to people without any reference to repentance or sin or holiness or judgment or hell or eternal separation or all of the the, the gnarlier truths of the New Testament. They've sanitized... um, you know, this spirituality of all those elements that they don't like and f- make them feel uncomfortable. So you can actually live a massively immoral life and still regard yourself as a very deeply spiritual person because you buy lots of spiritual books, you read all about this stuff, and you're all about trying to pull on that realm to get knowledge and power and and get healing happening. And, and a lot of these people, they're good people, but they just haven't they're not willing to take that next step on of moral accountability to to a personal God. So they've got this impersonal energy concept. But it's all stolen light. They've picked all the good stuff out and then marketed that to people. And upwards of 30% of our population have been affected by New Age spirituality. That's actually documented through lots and lots of polls and research that's been done in Western culture that upwards of 30% or higher have been affected by the New Age. Where are the spiritually hungry people there They're getting drawn to these big New Age events. So please pray for what we do in these festivals. But my point I really want to make is that I'm learning a lot of lessons by doing this because it's the doers who know. Jesus said something to the effect of um, those who do my will shall know the teaching, whether it is of God or not. Those who do will know. And so... There's a whole realm of knowledge and revelation that comes to the doers, but the hearers only don't get to enter into that level of understanding. So I guess my advice is follow the practitioners, follow those guys, you know, follow the, the, the doers, follow the ones who are trying to step into that priestly vocation of pulling heaven to earth. There's a lot that God wants to teach us in how we can powerfully step into other people's lives and release the glory of God because that's really the essence of the ministry. The ministry is the glory. And to think that ministry is anything less than the impartation of God's glory is really not New Testament thinking. It's not at all. Our ministry is glory. If you want a proof text, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about the ministry of righteousness versus the ministry of condemnation. Ministry of condemnation is the law. It ministers death. The ministry of righteousness is, has greater glory, much greater glory, incredibly greater glory. That's what Paul's saying in Romans and 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then he lands on this verse. So we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from one degree of glory to another into the same image of Christ by the Spirit of God. That's 2 Corinthians 3:18. So he lands on that verse, and he says, "So you know, we're not tangled up in the law anymore. We're not living under a ministry of condemnation. We're a ministry under, living under a ministry of righteousness, and that ministry is glory. It's just all about impartation of glory to God's people, where we get radiated with glory. And then he says, "We all, the people of God, with an unveiled face, not faces, one face." Just the the body, looking up at Jesus. We behold His glory and we are being changed by that glory. Then he said, the next verse, if you take away the chapter breaks because they're artificial, the next verse says, Therefore, having received this ministry, we do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4.1 Receiving this ministry. Which ministry? The glory. The glory is our ministry. And that is the priestly vocation to engage with the glory and then to give the glory away. That is supernatural ministry. That's not just man's best efforts to come up with his best arguments as to why we people should turn to God. That's Potentially, that's just human effort. This is God breaking in. This is Christ coming and ministering through us. It is a supernatural ministry. It's the ministry of healing broken hearts. It's the ministry of releasing the oppressed. It's the ministry of giving sight to the blind. It's a revelation ministry where the lights go on. It's a ministry of healing the sick. It's a ministry of breaking demonic strongholds, proclaiming this era of the Lord's favor for all those who are in Christ preaching the glorious gospel to the earth. I'm I'm referencing uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. That's the kingdom mandate. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all these things. Seven different streams of ministry, all different from one another, but the one common unifying feature is they are all ministries of glory. All ministries of His glory into people's hearts, into people's bodies, into people's minds into the areas of the deepest needs of humanity, to be freed, to be set free, to be healed, to be transformed. It's all the glory realm. And so really, that's what we're meant to be engaging with as this royal priesthood so that we can get radiated, so that we can give that away. That's a great vision. That's an awesome vision. I'm pretty excited about that. Paul said... Romans 15 verse 15, Paul talked about the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, a minister of Christ to the the nations, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, that my offering of the Gentiles to God might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15, verse 15. It comes out in the New American Standard. He says, ministering as a priest. I'd never seen that before. Mm -hmm. Suddenly I discovered that verse. The word he uses there is harugio. 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 And it means the ministry of a priest. (laughs) And to the Gentiles, it indicates that Paul's understanding, this is Israel's priesthood. This is the priesthood of Israel. Now here's Paul, the Jew who knows his Bible really well, who knows what the priestly vocation is all about, who knows what it means to be the Israel of God, the custodians of this revelation of God to be presented to the Gentiles and Israel's massive failure in that. But now Christ comes and, and in the new covenant and Christ comes to live inside of us. And Paul is on the cutting edge of this and he's in this zone of revelation and he's stepping into this priestly function and he knows that he has become as a saved Jew, the expression of this priestly vocation to the nations. And he says, I am um, um, I'm to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the nations, ministering as a priest, the gospel of God, ministering as a priest. So Paul steps into this royal priestly ministry. In the Passion Translation, it says, For this grace has been, um, this grace has made me a servant of the gospel of God, constantly doing the work of a priest. For I endeavor to present an acceptable offering to God so that the non-Jewish people of the earth may be set apart and made holy by the, Spirit, by the Spirit of holiness. Now then, it is through my union with Jesus Christ that I enjoy an enthusiasm and confidence in my ministry for God. And I will not be presumptuous to speak of anything what Christ, um, except anything, sorry, I'll start again. I will not be presumptuous to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. For many non-Jewish people are coming into faith's obedience by the power of the Spirit of God, which is displayed through mighty signs and amazing wonders, both in word and deed. Now, Paul stepped into priestly ministry. He became this embodiment of Israel's vocation. He knew the vocation had shifted to the church. The church is now the royal priesthood the priests who represent God to the people and the people to God because they've stepped into Christ who is our great high priest. And there's this prophecy in Psalm 110. um, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now this Melchizedek thing is really, really interesting. And the writer of Hebrews is kind of holding back the reins because he's wanting to unload all this stuff. And he said, I'm not going to go there. I've got a lot more to say about this Melchizedek thing. But he's like full of revelation. I think it's personally, I think it's Apollos who wrote Hebrews. This is my personal conviction. And there's good reasons for that. But he's like, he's holding back and he's saying, I've got a lot more to say about this. And you can tell he's kind of got a lot of revelation going on. But Jesus was the priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Who's that? He's the guy who randomly turns up to Abraham with bread and wine. Ring any bells? This dude just steps into Abraham's life, doesn't say where he came from, no genealogy, no father or mother, no lineage, he just appears. Hey, bread and wine. And people say, well, it was probably a manifestation of Jesus, that Melchizedek was actually Jesus. And the name Melchizedek, Melech, Tzaddik, is what it is in Hebrew. Malach is king, Sadik is righteousness, king of righteousness. Who's that? It's Jesus, the King of righteousness, and also King of Salem, which is Shalom, which is King of Peace, or Prince of Peace, if you prefer. Royal priest, you know, Jesus, he's, he is, I believe he was Melchizedek, and he rocks up with bread and wine. And that means he's there to minister something of Christ to Abraham, but then he receives the tithe. So he's receiving something as a priest of God. He was called the, the Melchizedek, the, the high priest of God. And he just turns up. It's just crazy stuff. Now we are in that priesthood. It's a new priesthood. It's the order, the priest, priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. It's the king of righteousness. It's his ministry. I remember 2 Corinthians 3, the, this ministry of righteousness, this ministry of righteousness that makes you and I perfectly righteous before God. Perfectly righteous before God not just a little bit, perfectly righteous in his righteousness. And out of that righteousness, you get the scepter of righteousness. Because, uh-huh. I mean, what happens when you become a king? Yeah. What? Five things. You get anointed with oil. Blah, 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 blah. Not just a little bit either. I got anointed with oil once. It was blah, 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 all down my clothes, on the carpet. Messy business. I didn't know it was going to happen. The guy said, you want to get anointed with oil? I said, Yeah. And I thought it was going to be like a little dabble you, on the forehead. You know? And uh, it was actually blub, 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 out of a horn. He poured oil on Maria and I. And we just got anointed with oil. We've done it a few times with some of our guys. Right before they get married, we have like a spiritual bucks night and we just anoint them with oil. We actually pour oil all over them. They, at least they're forewarned. They wear their old clothes they want to throw away or burn. <laughs> so, you know, so, anyway, I got anointed with oil. That's what happens when you become a king. You get anointed with oil. The oil of bliss, it's called in the book of Hebrews. And, and he's anointed with the oil of bliss above his fellows, it says. And so he gets anointed with oil. He gets, you, you see the king on the throne, right? So you get the throne. You get the anointing oil. You get the crown on your head. You get the robe of righteousness. And number five, you get the scepter. And you've been given the scepter of righteousness because the scepter of his kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. And that is a scepter of absolute authority in the spirit realm. You've been given absolute, and I emphasize and underscore, absolute authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he turns around and says to his disciples, I give you all authority over the power of the enemy. You've been given all authority. Are you using it? Possibly not, because none of us are using the fullness of the scepter of righteousness. We've got to learn how to bang down our scepter, take authority in the Spirit and stand in that kingly place. Someone overnight had a prophetic dream. they woken up this morning by it in the middle of the night, early hours, and they said they had a dream about me. They wrote it down and they said, you were a little despondent in the dream, but then I saw you enter a palace and a king's robe was put on you and you were You had this robe, this kingly robe, and then letters from heaven started falling from God and you were just surrounded. The floor was covered in letters from God written to you. I was like, whoa, what a great prophetic word. So anyway, this morning I went and saw The Shack. Who's seen The Shack so far? Come on. Isn't it good? Get to the cinema before it leaves because it might not be there all that long. I don't know, sometimes these films come and go pretty quick. So I encourage you to go and see it. I was wet tissues. I mean, I was just a <laughs> snotty, slobbery mess. It just wrecked me. Totally. Did you get wrecked? Totally wrecked? Did you guys get wrecked by it? Wasn't it powerful? Man, whoa, I'm changed by that film. It's just so good. you got to go and see it. Um, I came out of the cinema and um, <clears throat> there was a, a big ad for a movie that's coming up about King Arthur, apparently. And it says, From Nothing to a King. And I stopped and I looked at that thing. I was, from nothing to a king. And I had this recollection of this dream this woman had. She sent me the dream. Oh, wow. you, I saw you stepping into a palace and a kingly robe was put on you. And then I saw from nothing to a king and I thought back about my life and I thought, just a messed up kid on drugs in the late 70s, you know, just going nowhere, going down, 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 down. And God got me. And I saw a man raised from the dead and had turned my life around. And that's what got me into the kingdom. I saw the supernatural power of God and it turned my life around. And by the grace of God, I'm still following him after all of these trials and tests and and everything I've walked through. I'm still standing and I'm still following and I'm still passionate for Jesus. And I still want to step into my kingly role of being a royal priesthood, kings and priests, part of the order of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, where he shares his righteousness with all of his people. And we all get to share in that authority, that that kingly authority. We become the embodiment of Jesus Christ on the earth, the body of Christ. That's who we are. And so it is our function. It is our core identity, if you like, that we are this kingdom of priests. And we can step into this place where we engage with the glory of God. And then to give it away becomes simple and spontaneous it just flows. Freely we receive in the secret place, freely we give in the marketplace. That's how it works. So you don't have to psych it up, you don't have to work it up, you don't have to go now. I mean, I did pray and fast for a day <laughs> leading into this thing because of the, the festival that I knew I was going to be doing these seminars. And I did prepare, I prepared myself, I was like, Lord, I pr- prayed, I said, God, anoint me anoint me with your glory do something powerful do something that will arrest the attention of the people let heaven invade the earth come in power so i did prepare i didn't i wasn't flippant so i'm not saying be flippant but i'm saying it's spontaneous it flows it's like it it flows out of who we are as the people who engage the glory realm of heaven it's it's really all about the glory i mean until this season of apostolic reformation that we've entered into People used to think the glory is something for the future. And we would write songs like, I can only imagine what it will be like. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance before you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my feet, will I fall? I can only imagine. (laughs) I mean... It's a good song. It was a good song. And it, it certainly raised hopes in people's hearts. But it's like, oh, yes, I, when we finally come to glory. No, 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 no. Glory came to us. The King of glory, the, the, the Son of glory, came to us and he lives inside of us. And the glory realm is now 100% open to us. The veil is torn, just torn. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Paul says we've been justified by faith and we enter into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We are saved and we are people who are full of joy in expectancy of the glory of God. And then he says, and that hope doesn't disappoint because God sheds his love abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That is this incredible Reality for us as believers, and Paul states it in Romans chapter 5, we are saved, we are justified, made perfectly righteous, we are clothed in the righteousness of King Jesus, and we now rejoice in hope that we're going to be the people who engage with the glory realm of heaven, and we're going to be the people who pull the glory realm down to the earth. And that's us stepping into our priestly vocation. And that is our calling that's upon our lives. Let's stand. I want to pray a blessing over you. Excuse my enthusiasm. (laughs) I tell you, glory changes you. Seeing glory. You know, when the people of Israel saw the glory in the wilderness and then stumbled when they were called to go in and take the land and and kill the giants and take take the mountains and conquer the land. God said, you're going to perish in the wilderness because they... He said in Numbers 14, you saw my glory all these years. The revelation of the glory is designed to prepare you to enter the promised land. The, The wilderness is not this barren place. He draws us out into the wilderness to speak tenderly to us, to show us his love, to reveal his glory to us so that we will go, we are able to go up and take the land. We we're able to kill the giants. We we're able to you know, take the mountain, take the land because we've seen his glory. And that's what equips us. The glory is what equips us to get out into the marketplace. And I want to release an impartation over you because I just saw some stuff. I saw some stuff this last weekend. I've been seeing the stuff. It's not new but somehow, as you grow into it and you see it again and again and again, and you go, oh my gosh, this is so real. God, you're so real. You're all around me. You're around glory. is just all around me. It takes three to join a circle around you. <laughs> oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, they encircle us. They envelop us. We're immersed into them. Part of the beauty of the shack is that Mackenzie, this Struggling, backslidden Christian who's angry at God because his daughter died, suddenly finds himself surrounded by the three and one, and sitting at a table with them. And he's all dialed up, and he's angry, and he can't restrain himself, and he manifests, and he walks away, and he comes back, and he's like, and his, his heart is just being ripped apart because of he's been surrounded by so much love and so much glory, but he feels so unworthy, and he's so mad at God, and then his heart just gets dissolved into this puddle and he just ends up just so soft and he comes out of the whole thing changed. His heart was gloriously changed. So let's just assume the position. Put your hands out before the Lord. Father, I thank you for every one of these amazing people, Lord. Every one of them has been called out of darkness into your marvelous light to proclaim your praises, to to exhibit your glory on the earth, to release the glory of the Lord. Father, I thank you, you've placed a dream inside of every heart in this room to become a nation changer, someone who leaves a legacy, someone who leaves a mark on the earth, not someone who comes and goes like the wind, but someone who leaves a deposit because they touched people's lives with the glory of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for an impartation of glory to every one of these people, myself included. Lord, radiate us afresh with your glory. Overtake us by your glory. Let us be overwhelmed by your love, by your power. By the revelation and light of Christ, Lord, let the glory realm open up over us right now. Every time we come together, it's to engage with the glory realm of God. It's not to sing a bunch of songs and listen to a a preacher. It's to engage with the glory because we are the temple. We are the embodiment of Christ. We come together and he manifests his glory. Even now, look up into his face. He is manifesting his glory to you. He says, I'll come and I'll reveal myself to you. Receive an impartation of the glory of God to your heart right now. And the, the richest expression of His glory is His love. Receive His love. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And that hope does not disappoint because God pours His love out. It's the glory of His love. We are the beloved. We are His beloved Adopted sons and daughters. And he is pouring adoptive love into your heart right now. How does that feel? Adoptive love. You've been adopted by the Father. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of adoption, fall on us right now, Lord. Minister adoptive love into those core places where we don't feel loved. Pour it in, Lord. Pour your glory Into every room in our heart, Lord, let every room be filled. Let every room be filled with love and light and power. Lord, let your glory be stirred up over your people, Father. Lord, I pray pray that you'd put a hunger in this house to be a house of glory, that you would fill the temple with glory, that people would come with an expectation and a hunger, knowing that the glory realm is now open to us, that the veil has been rent in two from top to bottom. There is no veil and nothing can separate. Our hearts are meant to be exposed now to his intense, radiant, glorious love and light and power. Thank you, Jesus. I decree an impartation. Put your hands out before the Lord. I decree an impartation into your hands right now in the name of Jesus I pray that the electric power of God, the, the dynamic power of God would be in everybody's hands, Lord. That there'd be glory that would come through these hands. That we would just be looking for people to lay hands on because we're hungry to see the glory released on the earth. Thank you, Lord. Just fill us with that desire to be ministers of the glory of the Lord on the earth. Father, I pray for impartation in Jesus' name.